dig up and root out all those things that are unlike you. And as you continue to plant your word in those things, places, Lord God. <clears throat> we want to grow and mature to be just like the one that we love, Jesus Christ. Uh, so we ask you today, Lord God, uh, that you would manifest your presence and you manifest your presence, you manifest your work uh, within us, Lord God, by the fruit that we bear. Again, Lord God, we want to remain in you, Lord God. We want to remain in love. We want to remain in that place that you so desire for us, Lord God. Uh, so, Father, uh, help us to set our minds straight. Help us to set our spirits straight today, Lord God. And we ask you that you would remove all the dross, all the impurities, Lord, that uh, have a tendency to creep into our lives, Lord. Again, we are your children we love you today, we worship you, and we thank you. We ask you all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's turn to Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. I know you guys said, will you ever get done with Philippians? Uh, we'll, we'll get done when we're finished. And believe it or not, as I walk through uh, uh, these two verses I was about to make these two verses two different parts because it just uh, the Lord was just opening so much, so much up that I wanted to make it two parts, but then at the end of the day, I decided not to. It was so easy. I was about uh, three-quarters of the way there, and I said, I, I do need to finish Philippians. So Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Paul says here, verse 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is Anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, Paul says, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul begins this section by telling us to fill our minds with the right things. Because the Lord knows that we can fill our minds with plenty of stuff in life. There's plenty of garbage out there to go around. And if your mind isn't being filled with garbage looking at the television, your mind is being filled with garbage on your smartphones. Then that's something. Your phone is so smart that it can fill your mind with garbage. So Paul begins verse 8 by saying what seems to be in our minds that the end is near. The close of this letter, and we know this as we look at proportion where we've come from to where, what we have, uh, have left, but the close of this letter to the Philippians is at hand as Paul mentions the word finally. Finally, brothers, he says, whatever is true and so on and so forth. But I want you to know that in Pauline fashion, in 
uh, the writings of Paul uh, that this is not the last paragraph and neither is this the last verse of this epistle. So when Paul says finally, when we think that finally this is the end of the conversation, finally he's going to uh, put a bow to it and say this is it, finally I'm done, I go in the peace of God. It seems as if once he's about to land the plane, then he takes off again. Have you ever heard any speakers like that? Hopefully you're not talking about me, Amen. But back in Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, look at that. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Paul says what? Uh, let's try that again. I don't think you finally agree with where I'm trying to go. So here in Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says what? So the question is, was Paul trying to end the letter in chapter 3? Well, it simply can't be because now we are in chapter 4. So what is Paul doing? What's going on is that Paul, when he uses this word, finally, in this case, that he is bringing a particular topic of discussion uh, to an end, or saying the last things about what he had previously been speaking about. So verse 8 then, it says, finally, as he completes this section uh, about what? Uh, uh, you, it began all the way in verse 1 or verse 2 of chapter 4. You know uh, what it is by now the various issues that have come up, ranging from the disagreements of folks to anxiety, to prayer, and peace. So after speaking about these things, Paul now says in verse 8, finally. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, if you need a place to focus Focus your mind on these things. Well, I just can't. Every time I, 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 I turn on the computer, the next thing that comes up is pornography. Because we can't focus our minds on the right things. As we read through uh, the list of items we see here in verse 8, it becomes clear only at the end what Paul is asking us as believers to do. So what we're going to do, we're going to start at the end of this verse, and we're going to start there, and then we're going to work our way back up. So Paul says uh, at the end of verse 8, we are to think about these things. We could also say, uh, putting our minds on these things or uh, filling your mind with the right things. All these have uh, the, uh, the end goal. They're all the same. In other words, we need to think about some things so that those things can occupy our minds. We must have the right things to occupy our minds. 
In 2011, uh, there were protests in the United States centering on the word occupy. Remember that? People wanted some kind of change, so they decided to occupy or take up possession of a geographical location until their mans were met during their protests. The one we're most familiar with was called Occupy Wall Street. Occupy Wall Street reportedly it raised concerns about social and economical inequalities, greed, corruption, and the undue influence of corporations on government. They, want you, they wanted to occupy Wall Street because they wanted us to focus on the issues at hand. Look at us. We're making all this noise. Look at us. You need to pay attention. But as we know, it still didn't change, did it? But listen, to this. I had a thought. And I think one of the reasons it did not change is because those who were behind the whole issue in the first place decided that they needed something to do in order to placate those who were, uh, who were rabble-rousing. And how did they respond? By starting to forgive student loans. Just a thought. But the idea that, uh, of that movement was to occupy a certain area uh, to focus on greed, uh, to focus on hypocrisy and self-dealing uh, with the hopes that there would be change in the way our government uh, views corporations. So when scripture tells us to think about these things, the word of God is telling us to occupy your mind or focus your mind on the areas that will result in transformative change in our life. Eugene Peterson says it this way. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'd do best by filling your minds and meditating on these things. So not just fill your mind, not just stuff your head like you would stuff a pillow with cotton or feathers, but to meditate and to think on those things. What have you been filling your minds with this past week? What's been taking up the bulk of the conversation of your mind? I admit at times it's difficult. It's, it's hard sometimes to focus on things uh, that we deem not to be critical or crucial. For instance, uh, if there is not some looming crisis in your life, oftentimes you don't have time for prayer. Oftentimes you forget about Bible study. Oftentimes you forget about reading the Word of God. You have no other concerns in your life uh, because it's not critical. But the Lord knows if there's a critical situation that pops up in your life, you better know that you're going to be in church and praying. Amen? Saying, uh, have all the saints pray for me. One prime example would be what happened on 9-11. All of a sudden, people were attending worship service who had never been, or some who hadn't been in years. All of a sudden, they found themselves in church. 
Now, you see, their minds were on spiritual things because something spiritual had happened and they recognized it as being a spiritual issue. So now they wanted the church to make sense of it all. But for us, brothers and sisters, we don't wait for a critical situation to happen, do we? That we should find ourselves uh, in the church, find ourselves in God's word, find ourselves in prayer on a regular basis because we know uh, for some of us we're just one more breath away from the next crisis. And if you don't have anything invested in your spiritual life, right, and, it, and it's more than, oh, yeah, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That's good. That's important. Uh, that's, that's critical. Uh, but God demands us to mature in our faith. One of the things I, I'm never pleased about is to hear someone tell me that they've been a Christian for 30 or 40 years and they live like they just got saved yesterday. In, in terms of not concerning uh, that, that God has redeemed them, but in terms of how they act, in terms of what they know about God. Right? There are a lot of areas that God wants us to focus on. He wants us to move forward. He wants us to mature. So as we begin to work through this list with the help of the Holy Spirit, I need for you to see another important and very critical observation in the text. Right? So we already talked about uh, that we need to think on these things. Now, when we back up a little bit, uh, Paul says, verse 8, finally, uh, brothers, he says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable. Come on, say that word with me. Come on. Whatever. It's lovely. Come on, next word. Whatever, right? He keeps saying whatever, 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 over and over again. But here's one of those places that uh, really you can't, uh, you, you can't tell in our English translations, right? That's something that has to be uh, framed uh, from someone who sees the text in the original language. When the word whatever is used, listen to this. It's plural. Ah. So the word whatever is plural. So if the word whatever means more than one, that means that when Paul says whatever, uh, whatever is true, he's not talking about one central core issue. He's talking about one. He's talking about one word that represents what? Many truths. Well, what are you talking about? For instance, okay. Do like I used to do as a kid. Uh, uh, parents used to tell me, David, go to the store and buy a loaf of bread. I'm like, okay. So she gave me the money. I run up down, and in those days, it was, it was always the corner store. You know, we didn't, we didn't have, uh, well, the grocery store was too far away for me to walk. So I would walk down the block to the corner store. There was a basement store. It was called Stutz. So I would go down to the basement store. I would get a loaf of bread, and I would come back. And my mother would say, what is this you got? I'm like, you said bring a loaf of bread. I said, she said, David, but you bought a loaf of cinnamon bread. Right? 
So when we talk about bread, what are we talking about? We tell someone, go and get a loaf of bread. What can they get? They can get wheat bread, right? Regular old white bread. Remember Wonder Bread? Is Wonder Bread still around, by the way? I don't even know. Multi-grain bread, sourdough bread, oat bread, gluten-free bread, garlic bread, whole bread, sliced bread. Uh, go get some, well, what kind of bread do you want? You see, bread represents, uh, is one word that represents many within the category. Therefore, when Paul says whatever, he's speaking of many under that category. So what are the whatever proclamations? Let's start with the first one. Whatever is true. Think on these things. Whatever is true. In regular usage, the idea of true, or true is that uh, which is seen, that which is expressed or disclosed, a thing that actually is and not concealed or falsified. Man, could we use this, whatever is true in certain places today. This means that whatever is true, that it must be upright. It must stand straight without any hint of crookedness. If something starts out as being untrue or false at its very core, it becomes extremely difficult to correct it later on. See, once you, get, once you get in the habit of doing one thing, it's really hard to make a correction later. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm saying it's hard. For instance, when they built uh, the uh, World Trade Centers in New York or the Sears or the Willis Tower, whatever you call it here in Chicago, in Chicago what should we call it, right? Uh, that their measurements had to be true uh, from the base of the building all the way to the top, that they could not be off. Well, you know what? I'm off maybe about an inch or two. This is a huge building. It's not going to make a difference. So if they were off an inch or two inches down at the bottom, by the time you get to the top, that building is going to be unstable, right? It may be off an entire foot or two feet or a yard or something like that. So it's critical uh, that it would be true to its measurements. So in order to have uh, the stability in life, we must think on all those things which are part of that category of truth or those things that are true in our minds. But know that everything in life that is true is not necessarily positive, amen? It is true uh, that someone may have gotten shot down the street. Right? That's true, but that's not positive. Is that what the Lord wants us focusing on? So what are a few things that are true on the one hand, but are also positive in nature? First on our list, in, in our category, should always be Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to Jesus? When you don't know what to think about, when you don't know what to focus on, one thing that you can always focus on, one you can always occupy your mind with is the person of Jesus Christ. Think about everything that Jesus has done for you, from saving you and placing you into the body of Christ because he loves you. In addition 
Jesus Christ has set you free from the bondage of sin in your past, which can and will weigh you down. It's also true that the Lord loves you like no one else can, including your mother and father. Yes, Jesus loves you more than your mommy, more than your daddy. Yes, he does. Because at the end of the day, when mommy and daddy is gone, the only one you're going to have left is who? When your brothers and sisters are gone, the only one you're going to have left is whom? When all of your friends have vacated your life, the only one that you will have left is whom? Jesus. So he is the only one that you could really depend upon because he's true. John chapter 10, verse 41. John 10, verse 41. And many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was what? True. So everything that is said of Jesus Christ is true. Then we should uh, consume our minds with the truth of Jesus. Keep our minds stayed on him. So that's one truth. If you have grown in Christ and there's another truth worthy to fill your mind with, right? You can say, yeah, you know, I'm not what I used to be. And now my understanding of God, my understanding of his word now is so broad. I have a depth to my understanding. I have a depth to life. I have a depth to discerning, uh, discernment. Uh, because of that, I can rejoice in that. No, not that you're big and bad and all that. No more than anything, anyone else. But we humbly submit ourselves before the Lord. You can also think about the good that is true in your relationship with another person. Surely there's something good there. It's all not so bad. Uh, there must be something. If God calls me to focus my attention on the good, then this is what I'm going to do. So the word of God says to think on these things, whatever's true. But he also says, think on whatever is honorable. The idea of honorableness deals with the way that you present yourselves to others uh, with honor, like imagine a king. In fact, this word was once used uh, to refer to the majesty or sacredness of the small g gods in some Greek mythologies, Greek writings like Euripides. So uh, being honorable means behavior that is fitting and appropriate. So if you act like a fool, nobody wants to give you honor. Honor is something that others must assign to you, yet you must have the internal fortitude uh, to act in such a way that reflects that honor. <laughs> so if you always act crazy, guess what? No one wants to honor you. No one wants to respect you. And by crazy, I, I, I mean uh, inconsistency of attitude and behavior as you are not even capable of acting appropriately on your job, at church, at school, or even at home. 
okay, I'll give you home, amen? You can act a little crazy at home. Can you say amen to that? All right. But look what uh, the wise guy says about a fool. Proverbs 17, verse 16. Proverbs 17, verse 16. says this, why should a fool have money in his hand to buy wisdom when he has no sense? Read that again. Why should a fool have money in his hand to buy wisdom when he has no sense? You see, so even with the right tools in his hands, a fool is not capable of doing the right things. Did you, you hear that? Even if the fool had all the right things in his hands, he's still going to end up doing stupid stuff. Why is that? Because he's a fool, that's why. Or, you know, we always say he, right? Sometimes you say, you always talk about him and the him, 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 this, or her, if she's a fool. Amen? All right. So thinking about these things that are honorable will give you a template on how to act honorably. Yes, you yourself uh, may be honorable. Uh, you may understand it, but also think of this in terms of its biblical context as well. Going on, well, think on whatever is just. Typically, we define the word just in light of righteousness of Jesus Christ, and this is a good way of thinking about it, and we should do that because only God is just, only God is righteous. Uh, I think the Hebrew word is, is uh, sitkanu, concerning God himself, right? Uh, however, given our wider context here in Philippians chapter 4, Four. We can also see uh, that uh, this term of treating people rightly or those uh, who have been treated rightly. Think of it this way. Are we unfairly assigning something to others that they just don't deserve? One of the areas that have uh, not been so just is the prison system in our country. That if they have jailed you, you know, maybe rightly, but it's a really small offense, and the only way to get out of jail is with a $100 bond, and you're so poor that you don't have $100 to get out of jail, that they will put you in jail and lock you up. On the other hand, some people uh, have been accused of a lot more heinous things and for them who have the money, they let them out of jail. Is that just? See, uh, whatever things that are just, uh, we must think on those things, right? Uh, uh, when they come across and say that what needs to happen, there must be a balance of justice. Yes, they must uh, serve uh, their day before uh, come before court, yes, to answer uh, to the accusations. This is true. But what can we do to create a balance within the system, right? Wrong is wrong, right? No question about that. But on the other hand, if you let one go, how can we figure out to let the other go? Uh, therefore, when there's a balance of justice, we can think on those things. 
As long as you are unfair to another person, there will never be justice. There will never be things that are right. He goes on to say, whatever is pure. Purity refers to holiness in relationship to God. One could argue that if one is pure or holy, uh, most of these other areas would automatically fall into place. If God is holy and we know he is, he also requires us to be holy. And as we are holy, the purity uh, of his presence begins to emerge from us. People will wonder, what is it about you? Why are you so different? It will be uh, the, the purity of the presence of God uh, just emanating from your very soul. Be pure as God is pure. And be holy as God is holy. Leviticus 11 Verse 44, Leviticus 11, verse 44, says this. For I am the Lord your God, I am Yahweh. Remember all caps, is Yahweh. I am the Lord, I am Yahweh your God. Consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy for I am holy. You shall not defile yourself with any swarming thing that crawls on the ground. Here, uh, the Lord was uh, speaking to the Israelites, telling them you should not defile yourself with things that are unclean. Don't take unclean things into yourself because when you take unclean things into yourself, you yoke yourselves with them. So when you take unclean things into yourself, you yourself become unclean. God says, be holy as I am holy because we want to be fit to be in his presence. Then he says, uh, whatever, think on these things, whatever is lovely and whatever is commendable. Again, lovely are those things that are pleasing. And the word commendable speaks of that which is worthy of some level of praise. You know, what can you praise another about? When was the last time you, you told someone, you know, really good job? I know some are more encouragers than others, and that's okay too. But when was the last time you did that? great opportunity to do that today. So Paul says, again, here at the end of verse 8, we are to think on those things. Our verse continues the very important note concerning the things that we were commanded to think on. And again, had Paul only left us with certain words uh, in the singular, uh, then uh, it, it, we could then think about if it's only five things, then I'm not going to think about this. We can say to ourselves, well, I'm not going to think about that. We can turn what's a positive into a negative. But the category is so broad, the category is so wide that it should keep our mind occupied from sunup to sundown. And in our dreams, our mind should be occupied with the things of the Lord. Isaiah 26, verse 3. Isaiah 26, verse 3. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Amen? You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Somehow, uh, we have not escaped trying to get to that place of peace. But this time we are doing it by filling our minds with the right things. But the question remains whether or not you will use them and apply them 
beginning immediately? Will you use what you hear? Will you use what the Holy Spirit is teaching you today to apply it to your life? Last time I told you, I began learning uh, some new things and, and one thing uh, that was still applicable in learning after all of these years that you must practice the very thing that they teach you. Without practice or applying what you have learned, it will never become part of your natural reflexes. Without implementation, we never make it beyond the person who sits and hears a sermon or a lesson week after week after week. Because anyone can do that. Uh, but more is expected from us as believers. So we don't hear. Yes, we take notes, right? And then we take our notes, uh, what we have learned, and what, what do we do with them? We implement them where? Into our what? Come on. Our lives. It's not en enough to sit and listen and then go away. That's not enough. Listen to what James says. Because if this is you, if this is what you do, then James is talking about you here in James chapter 1, verse 23. James 1, verse 23, he's talking about you, if that's what you do. It says here, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. You see, what, you see what James is trying to tell us? He's saying that if you hear God's word with no intent on doing what God is telling you to do, then the moment you walk out of that door, then you're going to forget everything that you heard. Like, for instance, you say, well, what is he, this uh, image concerning the mirror? Well, this is what I want you to do. When you go home today, I want you to go to your rest, your bathroom or wherever you have a mirror, a mirror in your house. I want you to look at yourself for five minutes because most of you have seen yourself for at least 20, 30 years. Amen? But I want you to look at yourself for five minutes and then I want you to get a piece of paper and I want you to draw yourself. Amen? And then I want you to go back to the mirror, look at yourself again, and hold up that drawing and see how good did you do. I know some of us will end up looking like a hot mess, right? But what Paul is saying is that you're like that. You can't remember every single detail. So therefore, it's important that you begin to implement everything that you learn now. Begin to implement. Uh, decide in your heart right now that, Lord, I'm going to take your word and I'm going to follow it today because I want to be different tomorrow than what I am today. So now we return to our text where we have this if-then statement, all right? Because we've already seen that. He says, if there is any excellence, verse 8, if there is anything worthy of these praise, uh, of praise, uh, but there's no then, but then is applied. It is implied, I should say. Uh, so there's an implication. So there is uh, an implication that this is an if-then statement. So if all those things are true, then think on these things. So put God's word to practice. Verse 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. There it is. 
When you hear the word of God, what are you supposed to do with it? You're supposed to what? Okay, let's try it again. When you hear and learn the word of God, we are supposed to do what? Practice. As I was doing my learning this past week, and I was telling, telling my teacher, I said, you know, I'm really struggling with X, Y, and Z. And he looked at me, and you know what he told me? He says, we do what we practice. We do what we practice. So the reason that we don't have the freedom, the reason that we're not out of bondage, the reason that we still have a potty mouth, the reason why you're still lying, the reason we're still cheating is because we're not practicing living a pure life. Brothers and sisters, you do what you practice. If you're not practicing what thus says the Lord, then why do you expect thus says the Lord to come out in the bad situation? <laughs> every, every time I get, you know, I, I love God and I'm in church all the time, but every time I get into a bad situation, I just go off by the mouth. Well, the reason that is is because you've never uh, trained your mouth. You've never trained your spirit not to do it. You know, uh, when someone makes you mad and you want to just, just, you know, you can tell them off, amen. But do it in a way that's holy, right? Jesus told people off all the time, didn't he? Jesus talked about people all the time. I like that. But he never uh, cursed them out. He was still holy. He was still just. See, God wants us to mature, yet we must fill our minds, fill our daily practices with things that glorify him. You want to know why? Your mind is always stuck where it is because you never practice getting your mind stuck on where it should be. You want to get out of the past? Think about the good things concerning the future and what God has already done in your life. You, you want to have the lightness of step? Go to the one who's the father of lights. He himself will give you the freedom. He will give us the freedom to live in the way that we should. So what should we do? We should fill our minds with the right things. Think of those things that are true, honest, just. I remember uh, as a child, the church we attended as kids, we always recited this verse. 
whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. At the end of service, we always recited these things. Always. And as a kid, I always wondered, why are we always saying that? Why are we, I, I, never, I never asked anyone. I just said to myself, why do we always say this? Why do we always say this? But I get it, right? Well, it took me, what, 50-something years to figure it out? Or I mean, sorry, 30 years to figure it out? So it took me all this time to figure out that the reason that we had to recite that because what the preacher was saying is that we need to put our mind on those things that are just and that are right. And we need to practice these things. Think on these things. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. Stand to your feet, please. If there's anyone in this place today that does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, this 